ULM Springfield with translator W277AO 103.3 FM Eden Dayton. In Pennsylvania on 88.1 FM WHHN Holly Daysburg, Altoona. In Mississippi also on 88.1 FM WOLM D'Iberville Biloxi. In Wisconsin on 91.3 FM WRMW Peshtigo. And in Florida on 91.9 FM WMKL Hammocks Miami. Radio Maria USA, a Christian voice in your home. You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death. With Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death. This program is intended for all those who want to create a culture of life in the United States. We bring you each week the latest updates on what's going on in the pro-life movement and our analysis of some of those events as they're taking place. We do this at times through interviews and at other times by bringing you the news highlights of the week. And this week we have four major topics that we're going to be talking about, uh, all th- giving you the, the updates and the background. I, ask, I want to ask you to say a Hail Mary with me. To ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those who are involved with or listening to this program so that we will receive the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you begin a new activity during the day to ask Mary to shower God's graces on what you are doing. And that's why we begin every one of our radio shows uh, asking you to say the Hail Mary along with me. Okay, as I indicated, we have four main topics that we're going to be talking about today. The first, and I'll I'll give you the list of the four, and then we'll go through them one at a time. The first is the Supreme Court new abortion case that it is going to be taking up in its next session, which begins in October. The second is the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, H.R. 619, which is currently uh, in Congress in the House of Representatives, and we'll talk about that. Uh, The 2022 fiscal year budget bills that are making their way through Congress, and uh, there was uh, budget bills this week uh, that greatly impact the pro-life community. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and and how it fared or or how it didn't do too well. Uh, And the last will be a pro-life flag. And we're going to spend just a little bit of time explaining what that's all about. But we're in the process this weekend of asking people to vote on and choose between six different flags as to which one people want to uh, symbolize the pro-life movement. And so that will be our, our fourth topic today. So having said that, let's let's uh, turn back to the topic number one. And it is topic number one in both the pro-life and pro-abortion communities. It is the Supreme Court 
who agreed just a, oh, about a month and a half ago that in its next session, which, as I said, begins in October and goes through the end of June of, of 2022, uh, in that session, it is going to hear a case that is called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And it is a case out of the state of Mississippi challenging a Mississippi law that essentially bans most abortions after 15 weeks gestation. And it was a surprise that the Supreme Court chose to to put this on their docket. Uh, it was not expected. It had been uh, being discussed on and off in the Supreme Court for almost a year before they decided to, to put it on, on their docket for next term. Um, and there is all kinds of implications that are being laid to the fact that the Supreme Court did this. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Obviously, we have no definitive answers to anything because, you know, the case has not even been heard in the court yet. But it, it does revolve around the 15-week ban uh, on most abortions in, in the state. And some of the significance of this is that uh, in previous decisions, the uh, Supreme Court allowed the states to put some restrictions on uh, abortion after viability. Now, viability is is a term that um, is a little bit squishy, but generally people are saying that a, a, a baby in the womb is viable. Viable means that if the baby was taken out of the womb, it would have a good chance to survive. And viability is generally thought about as being about 25 weeks gestation. Right. And, and that's that's, um, you know, it, babies have survived as young as 21 weeks, um, but but not younger than that. Uh, this is 15 weeks. So it is significantly before viability. And it was one of the reasons that, that a lot of speculation is going on as to what this means that the Supreme Court actually said that, you know, they're going to take a look at this case. Now, there's all kinds of possibilities here because the Supreme Court did not indicate, you know, what it, what it was concerned about or what its concerns were. It just said it's going to handle the case. OK, uh, it could be, you know, in, in pro-life terms, in the worst case scenario, it could be that the Supreme Court has decided that it's time now to once again reinforce their position on abortion um, and will simply use the case to say, yeah, everything we said before was true. We're going to strike down this law and, uh, you know, don't don't stop passing these kinds of laws because we're going to strike them all down. I mean, that's possible. They, they could do that. All right. Um, all the way from that to the Supreme Court saying, you know, this is a good case to take a look at all the precedents. Uh, the uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey from the 1990s, the Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973, and to undo all of those precedents. It could do that also. So that's one end of the spectrum to the other. We have no idea what they're planning to do. The Pro-life forces, I will tell you, uh, because we've had you know a month or so now since the the decision, and so um, you know I've had my ear to the ground within the pro-life community to see what people are thinking and seeing what people are saying, and the pro-life forces seem to be putting a very optimistic um, 
view on on the on the Supreme Court taking this case. They, their, their view, generally within the pro life community, is this is this is a winner that that the Supreme Court is going to use this, if not to eliminate uh, Roe v. Wade altogether, uh, but to uh, maybe go further than that and declare personhood for the preborn children. Um, just very a lot of optimism within the pro life community. There's a lot of excitement within the pro-life community about this case. On the other side, in the in the pro-abortion community, because, you know, we also follow them and, and, you know, listen to what they're saying, they are as pessimistic as we've ever heard them to be. Um, they, they just really seem to be unglued over the possibility of what could come out of um, the Dobbs case in, in the Supreme Court. And so they they uh, they they are you know, really in some cases it appears they're throwing in the towel. Uh, they're they're rearranging their organizations. Uh, just this last week, uh, NARAL N A R A L, which is the oldest pro-abortion group in in the country, it was formed in the late 1960s, um, and and NARAL used to stand for. Uh, the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws. So, so you know how old that was. Uh, it is current. It's gone through a number of names and is currently called NARAL Pro Choice America. Uh, but NARAL, like like a lot of other groups, um, operates uh, on a an affiliate basis where they have a national office and they have affiliates around the country in different states. Um, and you know the same kind of thing. Planned Parenthood does, uh, although their affiliates are not split up specifically by states. In some states, they have several affiliates. Other affiliates cover several different states. Uh, but they, they've now announced that based on, on what they see going on, they're going to change their entire organizational structure uh, over fear of what's going to be happening uh, with this Supreme Court decision. So um, it, it is really you know being viewed among the uh, the pro-lifers is something good. It's being reviewed among the pro-abortion people as, as something horrible. Um, our view on this comes down in the middle, and, and, and I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, if you read the news reports uh, and, and read the newspapers and articles being written and listen to it, everybody is talking about the, the Supreme Court. You know, there are nine members of the Supreme Court, and they believe there six of them are conservative and three of them are liberal. And therefore, if the Supreme Court is going to take up this case, then, you know, it's, it's slam dunk that the, the conservatives are going to win. And I will tell you that that here at American Life League, if we as we look at it, we don't see it as a six to three conservative court. We really see it as three, three and three. We think there's three liberals. We think there's three conservatives. And then there are three that have shown through the years that they could go either way on this. Now, the three liberals on the course on the court, of course, are Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan. They, they are liberal. Okay, and that's the three that that everybody counts as the liberal justices. Uh, conservative justices are um, Thomas Alito, and everybody believes that Amy Comey Barrett is also going to be a very conservative justice. So, those are the three conservatives: Alito, Thomas, and Barrett. And then you have the other three. You have the Chief Justice John Roberts that seems to vacillate all over the place. Um, you know, he, he is the one, you know, that that uh, that saved the the uh, the, uh, the health care 
systems that uh, uh, were put in, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and, and he seems to vote how he feels to vote. There's, there's very hard to predict them. We also believe that both Kavanaugh and Gorsuch um, also tend to fall into that category of, you know, could go either way. So we're not as apt optimistic here um, as maybe some of the other pro-life groups are. We, we certainly hope that, you know, these last three justices I mentioned, Roberts, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, will in fact support the babies and will in fact join with the conservative justices. Um, but that's unknown at this point. And so we, we think a lot of prayer is necessary, a lot of focus on, on what's going on. Um, and, and uh, you know, just I think it's time for the pro-life community to really gather together in prayer, um, whatever your denomination is. Um, if you are Catholic, we have the Marian Blue Wave. Uh, you can go to MarianBlueWave.com and you can find out about it. It's, it's saying a rosary a week for the end of abortion in the United States and the end of Planned Parenthood in the United States. But um, if, if you're not Catholic, there are lots of other things that you can do and lots of, of prayer groups that you can have to focus in on this Supreme Court decision. Many of us remember the Casey decision uh, in, uh, in, in the 1990s that was also a decision that was supposed to overturn Roe v. Wade. And, and when the decision finally came down, it didn't, okay? And as we, we now know through a lot of history and a lot of investigation, uh, that uh, case uh, was, was uh, decided essentially by one person, and that was Justice Kennedy at the time. Um, it, it's been reported that in the final meeting of the Supreme Court justices, before they put together their final documents to announce the, uh, the, the result publicly, that the vote had been five to four to essentially uh, overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, five to four to uh, support the Casey uh, the Pennsylvania position, which was which was uh, Casey was the governor of Pennsylvania at the time. Uh, but then after that final conclave, uh, Kennedy changed his mind and the vote went five to four the other way. So none of this is is absolutely certain until the final votes are entered and announced. And so we need prayer. We need a lot of prayer. And we encourage you all to do that. You're going to be hearing about the Dobbs case. And, and Dobbs is the name of the official in Mississippi um, who uh, who is tied in you know, with the law. They, they, they essentially are suing the state of Mississippi. Um, but Dobbs is the name that's associated with it. So if you hear the Dobbs case at the Supreme Court, D-O-B-B-S, by the way, uh, this is what it's all about. And so let's let's uh, keep our focus on this. All right, let's remember uh, Casey, uh, and let's know that we nothing on this is settled until it is actually settled and announced. Um, and, and that could be as late as next June, uh, of uh, June of 2022, because the Supreme Court, even though they may, may decide on the case early in the term, especially with with uh, cases that, that could be problemsome, uh, they generally wait until the end of their term, which is in the month of June, or even the first week of July some years, uh, and then make their announcements there. So um, that's that's the situation with the uh, 
Supreme Court in the Dobbs case, and uh, we'll keep you informed as we hear more or as more is, is said about it. Okay. Now we want to switch to the second item, which is a, a really interesting item. It, it is a bill uh, that is in both the, the House and the Senate, but, but the, the bill in the House um, is is the one that's under um, pressure right now as, as the pro-lifers are trying to move the bill to a vote. And it's, it's House Bill H.R. Uh, 619. Right, and it's called the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Okay, and the, the attempt of the bill is to make sure that if the um, abortion is taking place, and if the abortion essentially fails, and the the baby is is born alive, that the baby is is taken care of right, in terms of of receiving medical care. Now, sometimes this gets a little confusing because there there was a Born Alive Infant Protection Act that was passed a few years ago and uh, is actually part of the law. Okay, so you might say, well, if we already have a Born Alive Infant Protection Act as part of the law, why do we need another one? Well, the the original one that was that was uh, passed. Uh, basically said if the if the infant was born alive, you could not kill it, okay? But that's basically all it said. It did not mandate that medical treatment be given to the baby. And through experience, it was found that what was happening is the baby was, was if it was born alive, no one took an action to kill it, but they just put the baby on the side and waited for it to die of natural causes, right? Uh, that's the way they argue it. So they felt that a new bill was necessary uh, to mandate that health services be given to the baby, that the baby be actively treated so that it didn't die of neglect. And so that's what the new bill is all about. And it's a, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, we, we should be protecting babies that are born alive, um, even after an abortion. A and we should be mandating that they receive health care. The problem with the bill, from our perspective, the problem with the bill is that it has, it has added a, a clause that seems way out of place. And the clause spells out all of the things that must be done to help the baby, uh, you know, immediate medical care, transfer to a hospital as quickly as possible, et cetera, et cetera. And it puts in place punishments for any medical professional that is there to make sure something is happening. So it doesn't leave it up to the abortionist. All right? It leaves it up to any medical professional that is in the room. They all have the obligation to make sure that this baby is getting medical care, and that's all good. But then there's a sentence in the bill that says that the mother of the child, right, the woman who is having an abortion, right, the woman who presumably, and, and we know that in some cases this is not the case, but the woman who presumably went in to have the abortion because she wanted the baby dead, that the mother of the child cannot be prosecuted for violating any of the provisions of that bill. Okay? So if, I mean, theoretically, if the mother of the child said, I want to hold my baby and took the baby in her arms and then would not give it up, 
to any medical professional and held the baby until the baby died, she could not be prosecuted for that. That's what the bill says. And that's ridiculous. There, there seems to be within, within the legislative se setting, not only in Congress, but in state legislators and everything, that everybody has this fear of punishing the woman who had the abortion. And so we get a lot of bills that say the woman cannot be prosecuted for this, that, or the other thing, okay? And in, in some cases, that, that, that may be valid. However, in this case, we're, we're talking about a baby who has already been born, right? who is alive, who is in need of medical treatment, and they're saying that if the mother violates the law, and prevents the medical treatment, she cannot be prosecuted. That is the same thing in my mind as saying if the woman gives birth at a hospital, right, brings the baby home, and then decides that she doesn't want the baby anymore and refuses to feed the baby, and the baby dies, that she cannot be prosecuted for murder. Well, of course she can, okay? Uh, and, and, of course, the woman should be able, you know, if, if in fact this is what happened. And we don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of making up the circumstances here, but to, to illustrate the, the outlandishness of the bill with those words in it. Now, without those words, this was a super bill. Without those words, I would be out there championing it, and I'd be telling you to champion it. Um, but those words give us pause. Why put it in there? Why are legislators so afraid to put together any bill that that uh, recognizes the liability of the woman, the mother of the child, in the death of the child? You know, the other side has no problem with this. The other side goes out there and says, proclaim your abortion. Right? To go out and tell everybody. This is what they're telling them, the, the women who have had abortions. Go out and tell everybody. Tell them how proud you are of the abortion. Right? Tell how, how proud you are of the fact that your baby's life was ended. And you made the decision to do that. Go out and do that. I mean, that's what the other side is telling women. And we're telling women, well, if you decide to kill your baby, we're not going to punish you for it. Huh? It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And that's what, that's, that's what our, our concern about this particular bill is. It doesn't make sense. And people often say to me, because I make this, this kind of argument in, in talks that I give and uh, when I'm talking to people individually, they say, well, what would you do? You know, would you, would you uh, punish every woman for having an abortion? And I say, no, we would follow the same laws in the United States that we have for every other homicide that is committed in the United States. A homicide is defined as a person killing, an, a human being killing another human being. And that, of course, is what happens in an abortion. And what happens in, in after that killing is that we have public officials, usually the district attorney or the district attorney's office, who examines the situation and determines what charges, if any, should be brought against the people involved. 
And sometimes they decide that, well, this, this was murder and we should bring murder charges. Sometimes as well, it was, it was really manslaughter. It was not murder, so we'll bring manslaughter charges. Uh, there's a whole host of charges. And they can charge that, no, you know, although they, the person was there, they are not responsible for it. They were forced to commit the uh, or submit to the, the killing of the individual. Um, and so no charges will be brought. I mean, we have a, a, a criminal system that can investigate and say, you know, OK, you know, uh, in this particular case, we will bring a charge or we will not bring a charge. And that's how we treat every other homicide in the United States, except the killing of babies in the womb or babies anywhere, actually, because it's not only in the womb. You know, IVF facilities kill babies all the time. Okay, it's part of their process, part of their procedure. You know, they have to eliminate the they, they don't want too many babies in the womb. And so um, if, if too many babies um, attach, they they uh, they cut down the number. They reduce the number. How do they do that? By killing some of them. OK, so all of this stuff happens. But we don't want to put the mother in a position to take responsibility for her actions. And that's wrong. That's wrong. We're not saying that we, the mother, that every woman who has an abortion should be prosecuted for murder, but we're saying that it should be looked at and people should know and decisions should be made. And this bill, like a lot of other bills, doesn't even allow that to happen, doesn't even allow that to be considered. So uh, when you're out there and, and you'll be hearing from a lot of groups now, we're going to tell you to support H.R. 619. Um, no, no. We want bills that protect the babies from everybody, including their mothers. Okay, so that's the that's the second item. I know that's a little bit of a downer, but but we have to understand the bills we write. We write bills with exceptions in them, and once you do that, you've lost. You've lost the battle. And people argue, well, it'll save some of the babies. Now, our, our job is not to save some of the babies. Our job is to save all the babies, and we have to fight for that. And if at the end of the day, when a bill gets passed, even though we introduced a bill that would have saved all the babies and it got watered down through the whole process of, of passing the bill, we can't take the blame for that. We say, OK, we'll take what we can get and we'll go back next time and try to save all the babies. But we don't start out writing a bill that says, well, we'll only save some of the babies. OK. And we could talk. We could do a whole two-hour session on this. So I'm going to let that go right now, um, and just talk about the uh, the you know the facts there, and move on to the next topic. Okay, and the next topic we're going to talk about are the um, budget bills that are in Congress that are going to be over the course of the of the next several months going to be passed. Now, the 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 stated timeline the by by law the president of the united states introduces a budget the house has the primary responsibility to review and pass the budget and then the senate has the responsibility to review and concur with the house or make changes that that then go back to the house and once the senate and the house agree it goes to the president who has to determine whether he will sign the bill or request further changes. Uh, the, the timeline in the United States 
says that the budget bill for the following fiscal year must be signed into law by September the 30th. So all of these budget bills and stuff that we're talking about, according to the the United States law, by September the 30th, they're supposed to be done. OK, now we know that sometimes Congress you know, extends the deadline for, for another weeks or a number of weeks or even sometimes a month or two. Uh, but the, the law says by September the 30th, because the new fiscal year starts on October the 1st and runs through October the 1st, 2021 to September the 30th, 2022. And when you hear that the government's going to run out of money, what that really means is that the budget bill that was passed will expire and there is no authorization for the government to spend more money. That's that's what they mean when they say the government will run out of money. And that can happen as early as October the 1st. And so now is the time that all of these bills are, are being discussed. When Joe Biden submitted his bill, it, it's it, his budget. It is purely a pro-abortion budget. Uh, he took out all of the the uh, uh, protections for preborn babies that that have been in previous budgets, um, and and so these are the bills that are that are going through Congress, and the the one that went through this week in Congress in, in the House of Representatives is an appropriations bill uh, for labor, health, and human services, and education and related agencies. Um, so it's the it's the health and human services bill. It's the one that most gets involved with killing babies in the womb and all of those kinds of things. And so that was going through the House of Representatives this week. Uh, on Monday of this week, uh, it went to a subcommittee in the House and was passed on a voice vote. Now, the bill that was passed on Monday uh, does not have the Hyde Amendment in it, right? The Hyde Amendment is, is an amendment that has been in every... Uh, bill since 1976 that says no federal government money can be used for most abortions. Okay. When I say most abortions, the original Hyde Amendment had an ex exception for abortions necessary to protect the life of the mother. Um, years later, there were exceptions added for pregnancies as a result of rape or incest. But those are the, the, the exceptions. So life of the mother, rape or incest. We should never have bills that have those exceptions in them. But they, the, the Hyde Amendment is there. That's why we say it would save most babies or, or, and would um, prohibit federal funding of most abortions. It does not prohibit when the life of the mother or pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. But um, it, it would protect most you know, would prohibit the funding of most abortions, uh, by far most abortions in the United States. That Hyde Amendment was not in the bill that was passed on Monday. Okay, It was not in Biden's suggested bills, and it was not in the bill passed on Monday. Right? Also, there's something called the Weldon Amendment that basically is a conscience amendment that says that people can't be penalized for not being involved in abortion if, if it's against their conscience. That amendment was not in the budget that was passed on Monday. In addition to those two absolutely critical parts of the bill, the bill included a $400 million increase in the Title X program. The Title X program is America's family planning program. 
you may recall that it, it was a major um, subject of contention during the Trump administration, where the Trump administration finally passed um, rules that said that uh, if no abortion facility or no organization that did abortions could uh, get Title X money, uh, unless the uh, their abortion business was totally separated from their contraceptive business, and uh, in not only financially but physically. Uh, well, the bill that was passed on Monday does not have that restriction in it. It opens the, the not only the federal funding of abortions, but it opens uh, the door for ab all abortion facilities to get Title X money. All right. So a massive increase in funding for uh, the abortion. OK. In addition to that, it increased by one hundred and thirty one million dollars funding of the teen pregnancy prevention program. This is the program that was cut out by the Trump administration because it's a Planned Parenthood sex education program that results in more pregnancies and more abortions. And rather than maintain the, the zero funding that was there before, uh, it has added $131 million in funding uh, for this sex education program. So uh, this bill is, is absolutely horrible all the way around. It did pass the, um, the, the subcommittee on Monday it went to the full appropriations committee in the House of Representatives yesterday, and it passed there uh, by a vote of 33 to 25. And once again, it does not have the Hyde Amendment in it or the Weldon Amendment in it. And it does have all of the increases in funding uh, that I just mentioned. OK, this is a, a pro-Planned Parenthood bill all the way around, just as Biden promised he would do. And the House of Representatives is, um, you know, just following through. And so, you know, Planned Parenthood obviously is celebrating at this point. Now, the, the, the bill, once it gets completely through the House, because it's part of, the, of the, uh, the fiscal year funding, and there's lots of other parts that have to be approved yet, uh, once it gets through the House, it goes through the Senate and will be up for further votes in the Senate. Uh, and as you know, everything in the Senate is problematic because of the 50-50 split in, in the Senate, uh, 50 Republicans, 50 who generally vote Democratic. So, so uh, and a tie in the Senate is broken by a vote of the vice president who is pro-abortion Kamala Harris. Okay, so we're not going to get any, you know, uh, in, in the past, you know, the last administration, we, we had Mike Pence who could uh, break ties and he would he would break them to the pro-life side. Well, Kamala Harris is going to break them to the pro-abortion side. And so we have real problems in, in the Senate. Now, in one area of the bill, in the Hyde Amendment, there appears right now to be three Democratic senators in the who are supportive of the Hyde Amendment. OK, uh, and so if those three Democratic senators hold their position and support the Hyde Amendment, then it is very possible that the Hyde Amendment could be added back in to the bill uh, and therefore that the federal 
money could not be used to fund abortions uh, with the with the exceptions of life of the mother, rape and incest. Okay, it is possible. We don't know yet. The vote has not been taken there and won't be taken probably until September. So we've got time to to wait here. Uh, The three Democratic senators who have indicated that they support the Hyde Amendment and and, and could vote to to keep the Hyde Amendment in the um, bill uh, would be Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, and Tim Kaine of Virginia. Okay, Uh, those are the three Democrats. Uh, If they buckle, then you get a 50-50 vote. And then you get Kamala Harris making the decision. So we let let us pray for those three Democratic senators that at least the bill will have the Hyde Amendment put back in it in the Senate. Uh, we're going to wait to see on that. And, of course, we'll be reporting to you on that so that uh, you will know. But but now's the time to be in prayer because you, you have to believe that these three senators and any others who may be on the fence are going to come under intense pressure over the next month or two uh, to change their vote and to uh, vote to eliminate the Hyde Amendment. And uh, uh, it's it's going to be uh, um, they're going to be under really severe attack from the devil because the devil doesn't want the Hyde Amendment in there. Uh, and so we have to we have to pay attention to that. So please, your prayers for the United States Senate um, and and for uh, all of the senators in, in the Republican Party to to hold fast and for the three Democratic senators to hold their position. And we may be able to get the Hyde Amendment back in. Of course, that doesn't solve the problem of the extra four hundred million uh, for Title X and the extra 131 million for the sex education programs, um, but it it would be a major gain just to to keep the Hyde Amendment in there. So uh, we we invite all our listeners to do that. Spend time in prayer over the next few months. Okay, so that brings us to to the last major item for today, and it's one that you 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 when I said it at the beginning of the show, you said probably said what the heck is that? Okay. Um, it's a pro-life flag, all right? Um, a, a number of years ago, uh, I think uh, two years, maybe three years ago, uh, some people were at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and as they looked around and stuff, they said, you know, the pro-life movement does not have a flag, right? A lot of other movements in the United States, good and bad, have flags. You know, the, the POW, MIA people, um, have flags that, that they fly um, and, and are flown around the country and on the backs of motorcycles and stuff. Uh, there's a flag for that movement. Uh, the LBGTQ whatever movement uh, has a rainbow flag. Right? Other movements have flags, but the pro-life movement does not have a flag. And so what these folks did is they put together a coalition. Uh, the coalition consists of 72 separate organizations. Uh, they are uh, national here in the United States. They, you know, they, they're nationwide. There are international organizations that are part of the coalition. Uh, there are state local organizations and there are local organizations. Now they call them, they don't call them affiliates or anything else. They call them partner groups. Okay. And they are all partners in trying to come up with a flag for the pro-life movement. Now the pro-life movement does have a symbol 
and the symbol is the fresh, precious feet pins. Okay, um, those, those those have been universally adopted not only here in the United States but around the world as a symbol of the pro-life movement. And if you're not familiar with it, the, the precious feet pins are the actual size of a 10-week-old baby's feet, okay? And they're just two feet together, and, and they come mostly in lapel pins, although you can get them uh, in other things. Uh, Heritage House 76 is the organization whose uh, founder created the, the original uh, precious feet pins, Virginia Evers, and uh, and they they sell them, um, and you know they're used as I said all over the world. That is the symbol of the pro life movement. But we have not had a flag. So these seventy two organizations have been working for the last uh, year and a half or so uh, to come up with the flag, and they have finally come down to a choice of six different designs. Okay, uh, and they're now up for vote. They want people to vote on which of the six designs um, they should use. And the vote is going on this week and this weekend and ends on Monday. So we want to make sure you know about this and that you can go see the flags. Now, the, the website for this activity is simply prolifeflag.com. All right. Uh, no spaces. P-R-O-L-I-F-E. FLAG.com. Okay. And you can go to prolifeflag.com. You can find out all about what's been going on for the last couple of years. And all there's a list there of all 72 groups that have been involved. And probably some of your favorite groups have been involved in, in this effort. And then you can see the finalists. Right. And if you want to go right to that, it's just prolifeflag.com slash finalists with an S at the end. F-I-N-A-L-I-S-T-S. Uh, but you can get there by just going to ProLifeFlag.com, and, and there are clearly uh, the links where you can get to look at the designs. When you look at the designs, uh, you click on each of the designs, and it explains exactly what that design is like. Uh, not surprisingly, one of the designs contains uh, the precious feet, okay? Um as I think is appropriate, but I don't decide on which of the flags you folks do and everybody who votes does. And so we invite you to go to ProLifeFlag.com and to look at the finalists. And there's, there's a wide range of designs there in the finalists. And, and each of them has an explanation as to why, you know, that particular design and what each element of the design um, means and uh, you can then select the flag that you want. Um, personally, I think it's a very good idea that the pro-life movement, after you know, 45 years um, and more, uh, should have a uh, a flag uh, that that can be flown. You know, anywhere it can be flown outside of churches. It can be flown. It can be carried in in parades. It can be you know wherever you want to use it, you could use it. And, and there's a lots of places that you can use it. Um, and so it's it's a very good thing to do. And the only last step now is for all of my listeners and everybody else in the country uh, to go and to vote on which design should be used. And there is one of six. You just pick the one that you want to vote for and uh, have a hand in, in saying, you know, 
exactly what the pro-life flag will look like. And so I highly recommend that to you and invite you to go. Once again, prolifeflag.com is the website. And go there and vote for the flag that you want to represent our movement. Okay. So we, we've covered the, the, the four main things that we've been trying to cover today. We talked about the Supreme Court Dobbs case, um, which you will be hearing about starting in October, and what the implications of that case is and how positive the general pro-life community feels about the fact that the Supreme Court has chosen to hear this case because they don't hear a lot of cases. So uh, so it, it, it's a positive thing. And the pro-aborts are, are scared of it. I mean, they really are. They, they, you, you listen to them talk, and they are devastated that the Supreme Court would even consider this. Um, and we need to pray, of course, for the Supreme Court justices, that they make the right decisions um, in, in, the, uh, in the case as it comes up. So we talked about that. We talked about the, uh, the um, H.R. 619 the Born Alive Infant Protection Act and the one sentence in that act that is a problem. And so we invite you to go and, and to read that. And, and um, if, if you, you feel that you want, you want to join me in, in making the case of, uh, you know, getting rid of that sentence, feel free to do so. Contact your representatives. I mean, it doesn't have to be passed with all the words that it now has. They can remove that line. And if they remove that line and pass it, it is an absolutely fantastic bill. And so we invite you to do that. Okay, we talked about the budget situation, which is not looking good. Um, but there, there, is, there is some hope for saving the, the Hyde Amendment, if not uh, the, the total, um, you know, uh, half a billion dollars in funding that the, uh, the Biden administration, an additional funding that they want to focus send the Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers. And then we talked about the pro-life flag. So we hope that they, that today's show with its diversity of, of uh, topics has been interested to you and that you've been able to, uh, to uh, get some information here. Uh, we are on this show on every Friday, uh, except when we're away on speaking engagements, which uh, for the last year has not been a problem. But uh, uh, in the last few weeks, I've been away a couple of times. And, and there's another speaking engagement coming up on a Friday in, in August that will force me um, not to, to miss the live show. Uh, but most of the time we are here every Friday. Uh, I will discuss topics or answer questions that you want. Just please send them to me. My email is jsedlak at all.org. So it's J-S-E-D-L-A-K at A-L-L dot O-R-G. Just send me questions and I will make sure that I get to the questions on the show and we'll answer them here for everybody to answer them. So you just send the questions by email and, and we've had a number of them come in and actually some of the stuff we talked about today um, I got in questions from people. So uh, we will answer the questions here on the show probably fairly quickly after you send the question in. So uh, please feel free to do that. Uh, and we, we enjoy being with you here. I thank you for those of you who meet up with me when I'm out speaking and, and tell me how much you like the show. Uh, I appreciate that. It is always good to get either positive or negative feedback, right? If you don't like the show or if you don't like any particular um, 
episode or any particular uh, position that I took on the show, let me know. All right. Uh, you know, I, I'm open to discussion on anything. If you want to send an email that says, Jim, I don't agree with what you said about whatever it was. Now, maybe today it's, I don't agree with what you said about AR, HR 619, and then give me some words on it. I will not only answer you personally, right, with another with an email coming back, but uh, I may even cover it on the show in a future show. So um, this is our communication ability uh, is through the emails. And I invite you to use that. I invite you to send me whatever emails you want. And we I will read them. I will respond to you. Um, if, if it's a specific question, you'll get a specific response. Um, if it's just a general comment, uh, I, I will take that in. And I will also probably mention some of them on the show. Okay, so I, it's been great talking with you today as it, as it is every week. And we want to end our program today the way we always end our program. And that is by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, please spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> 